You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 178. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And today we're getting real about just how hard it is to do the work all of you do as impact drivers. We're going to look at why being a PMO leader can be so challenging and often takes every ounce of effort and resilience to create meaningful, sustainable impact in your organization. But don't worry, I've got great news because you're also going to learn ways that you can turn hard work, stress, and even failures and disappointments into a new way of living where everything flows smoothly, energy is unleashed, and opportunities to shine unfold right before your eyes. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by the Impact Engine PMO Implementation Program. In today's results-driven world, it's not enough to be good at your job. You need to be great at making an impact. You must be able to drive measurable value to the business through the high-impact outcomes you're creating with your PMO, so there's no denying the clear-cut advantage you bring to the team. The leadership team, that is. The Impact Engine PMO Implementation Program is specifically designed for the PMO leader that needs the step-by-step process, the right resources, guidance, and support to build, elevate, or even rescue a PMO fast, all while doing exactly what needs to be done from a leadership perspective to get and keep that seat at the table. Using my step-by-step process training, templates, and tools, you'll know exactly what you need to do, in what order, why that matters, and how to shortcut some of the pain, frustration, headaches, and mistakes that plague so many PMOs. Your fast track to the results your business leaders are begging you for is inside this program. Our Impact Engine PMO students come from all different kinds of organizations, large and small, across industries around the world, and they will tell you that this program has made all the difference in their success. So whether this is your first PMO or fifth PMO, you're trying to get your PMO started or get things back on track, we've got everything you need to be successful in this program. So come check it out at IE pmo.com. That's IEPMO.com. Or just visit us on the PMO Strategies website and we'll guide you the rest of the way. I can't wait to welcome you into your future high impact PMO today. Okay, let's dive in. With over 35 years working internationally in strategy, digital transformation, and PMO, Jilly Kennedy knows firsthand the pressures that can be experienced in this type of setting while struggling with life challenges along the way. Following a period of relentless adversity, she achieved a remarkable transformation and successfully created a life with more purpose, balance, fulfillment, and enjoyment. 
She now dedicates her time to helping tired, busy professionals do the same by making a pivot to what she calls joyful living. I am so excited for this episode and hoping to pick up a few things myself as a part of this conversation. So, Jilly, thank you so much for being here today. It's my absolute pleasure. So thank you for inviting me, Laura. I'm very excited to speak to your lovely PMO audience. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? They may not realize that you have a long history in the PMO space specifically as well, which makes you the perfect person to talk about this very topic because a lot of times people don't really get what it's like to be a PMO leader in an organization and how hard it can be, how frustrating, how often you're the only person in the organization that's in that role. So it can also be a very lonely place. So I'm really excited to talk about this whole topic. And like I said, I'm hoping to pick up a few things as well, because although our impact drivers can't see it, I'm looking at you and you look so calm and centered and happy and peaceful. And I just want some of that. So (laughs) I'd love to dive into a little bit about your journey and your background so that our impact drivers listening have a good sense of how well you actually connect to their world and their experience before we get into all the ways you solve these problems. Right. Well, of course, it wasn't always calm and it wasn't always smiles. Um, As you said, I spent, well, more than three decades in the business world, um, specializing in all things transformation, effectively. That was my career. Um, Took me to many different parts of the world. And I worked in a number of different aspects of transformation, including the strategy and the corporate strategy space, Mm -hmm. also hands-on delivering. So I was running projects and programs and then finally specializing in PMO. And, you know, the reason I got into PMO really was because it was so hard to get change to work and to to find ways to make it a bit easier. And I thought, if I can get into the PMO and help to come up with different ways of working to make things easier in terms of transformation, then that would really tick the box for me. So that was really what got, got me into the PMO. So, As we why, all know, it's quite difficult, isn't yeah, it? So I'd role. like to talk about that a little bit. Why do you think that the life of a PMO leader is so difficult, having been one? And our audience knows that I spent 15 years inside organizations as a PMO leader. So I have my own list of reasons, and I'm sure they overlap. So why do you think it's so difficult to be a PMO leader in many organizations? Yeah, I think from my experience, there's a few common themes come up. Mm -hmm. One of which is that you're dealing with many different stakeholders. Now, and we all know this, that the PMO sort of sits in the middle and has to be able to work effectively with the exec and the strategy teams, have to be able to work with the people delivering the changes and running the projects and programs, and the people in the actual business sector who are going to be adopting the final changes that are being delivered. And all of these people have got a different perspective and a different view of what the PMO should or shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. So I honestly think one of the big challenges is, first of all, understanding these different perspectives and then somehow putting them all together into a formula that you can come up with to actually create an effective PMO, one that actually adds value and delivers the impact that you you talk about um, so passionately. So, you know, you've got the exec who usually see the value 
-hmm. they want to have eyes and ears over projects and what's going on and making sure that we're getting the value out of it but getting them to follow your process mm -hmm. and to respond and approve where they need to in a good time frame is very challenging mm -hmm. <laughs> as we know things can get quite stuck when you're going to the exec for approvals and of course sometimes they just want the jdi projects the just do it projects you know what i mean by that where they want to bypass all your process and governance and just get it done right and this right. is very challenging for a pmo who's trying to hold firm on some processes and steps they've put in place and mm -hmm. that can just get thrown in the air sometimes by the exec just saying let's just do it i don't want all this stuff just let's get it done right and, right? and that's the thing and that's to me, that's a bad marketing job by the PMO if they haven't helped their business leaders understand what I call the so that, that I teach my coaching students. In order to get, achieve the outcomes they want, we have to do things in a certain order in a certain way. And they don't see the outputs tied to achieving the outcomes, right? So for right. business leaders, they're saying, okay, great, but I just want the results. And we aren't really tying the getting there to the result, right? And so the business leaders are saying, I don't understand that in order to achieve the result, the so that we can achieve this result, we need to do these things, right? And right. so I'm always teaching our students to frame everything they're doing in terms of helping to draw that connection because you're right, that is a big problem. If you are in a situation where you're lucky enough that your business leaders do see the value because you've clearly explained what the outcomes are, you also have to do the step of explaining that creating those outputs will drive to those outcomes and they better do so, right? The problem is, is that there's so much time spent focusing on here's our process. And so businesses are like, ah, no, no, I don't want any of that. I just want yeah. the result, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. like wanting to be in perfect shape, but not wanting to go to the gym, right? <laughs> I <laughs> so like that. <laughs> For most Wait. people, one has to happen so that the other one yeah. can be achieved. <laughs> well, that's interesting that you say that because, you know, I think from the delivery perspective, you think of the way that the project leads, or the project directors, the program managers see things. They're absolutely heads down in delivery mode, right? Mm -hmm. Often mm -hmm. in very challenging circumstances, with very tight deadlines and complex right. programs to deliver. It's not easy. I was in that role myself. Yeah. The buck absolutely stops there. And mm -hmm. when the PMO rocks up and says, by the way, we need you to do these steps. And, you know, this is mandatory. Mm -hmm. I myself, I remember reacting in a way saying, look, I don't have time for this. Right. I'm so focused on actually delivering the project. I don't have time for all this overhead. And this is another big problem, I think. Another huge difficulty that the PMO is up against. You know, like you said, there's outputs that are need to be created in order to get the outcome. Mm -hmm. um, but trying to tell a, a delivery lead, it, it can be very challenging. And getting them to buy into what you're asking them to do is, is often a big difficulty, I think, faced by the PMO. Yeah, so it's getting buy-in, it's helping to make sure that the value is clear, it's agreement to follow the process to achieve the results that they're looking for, lack of understanding of what the PMO is supposed to do in the first place. There's so many challenges. So many yes. And a lot of those sound like they're related to communication and and also making sure that we're measuring the right things, connecting the dots for our business leaders. Were there any particular things that 
were key problems that you personally faced when you were in this role? Yeah, I think one of the big ones, which I had relatively recently, we're just talking a couple of years ago, um, this organization had moved to agile working and the emergence of product management and product development rather than project management. So this is a very interesting dichotomy to find ourselves in. So what is the role of the PMO when companies move in that direction? Right. This was a challenge I definitely faced. Mm-hmm. And people started to see the PMO as being archaic, lost in a waterfall world. We don't run projects like that anymore. We were agile. We just don't need this. So this is a very real right. problem, which I think maybe many of your listeners might be up against. Right. And I think being adaptable and understanding the way an organization is headed mm-hmm. is really crucial. Absolutely got to be able to adapt. Right. The processes that you have in order to suit the organization and the direction it's heading in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had that a lot. I remember one of the PMOs I was starting. Now it ended up being a very successful experience, but when I first come in the door, I had to do 16 interviews just to get the job there because they were so oh. focused on culture and relationships, which was a good thing and is and taught me a lot of the things that I now use to support PMO leaders in our training and coaching programs. However, I remember some of the early stakeholder conversations I had once we were in the door. And I remember one of the IT side kind of directors said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't do documentation here. We're agile. And I just looked at him and said, what? (laughs) And I said, in what part of agile implementation did you see the documentation was not allowed, right? And I think, and I said, actually, I think you do more communication and just more iterative documentation. You're not writing books, but you are in, and they were doing Scrum in particular. So you're doing these sprint cycles and you're communicating in terms of the tasks that need to happen. There's a lot of more frequent and right-sized communication happening in an agile implementation of methodology as opposed to waterfall maybe, but you don't have the big books, right? right? But you still need to define what needs to get done. You still need to measure that it got there and you still need to communicate about the design and delivery process in between. So I just remember thinking, oh goodness, this is going to be an uphill battle if one of my main stakeholder groups for these big programs we're running is the delivery people that are building the technology solutions and they're saying we don't do documentation it's like <laughs> i knew it was going to be a challenge so and at the same time i needed to do some work with my program managers who many of whom had done a lot of waterfall type life cycles to help them understand, okay, you can kind of do a hybrid approach as many people call it, or a agile approach as my friend, Jenny Fowler calls it. Oh, I like it. that. Yeah. yeah. Where it's a little bit of iterative approach, but also that you make sure that you have some of the front end and the back end things that need to be there so that you're clearly defining success criteria from a business perspective and that you are measuring that success after the project and programs were finished. So you can do a little bit of both, right? And I think that's the challenge though, is that you can go into organizations where you find yourself in this, my way or the highway, whether it be agile waterfall or some other implementation approach. And then people get stuck thinking that this is the only way to success and the conversation just stops. So I think it's funny that you bring that up because that's something I think many PMO leaders have faced being hit with a brick wall when they go into an organization and say, no, we don't do that here. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think what were the, the big issues that I came up against, and it did make me feel like I was banging my head against the wall mm-hmm. on many occasions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard work in the PMO. Um, as you said in the introduction, it's exhausting, actually. And it can take every ounce of effort and determination and willpower to keep going right. in this journey. Right. And I personally found that quite challenging and quite stressful for many years. And of course, on top of all that, I also, as many people are, was facing different personal challenges at the same time. Sure. I think with the whole pandemic, a lot of people are facing challenges outside the workplace, mm-hmm. which they're trying to deal with on top of everything else. And you put the whole mix together. Personally, for me, um, Laura, I just found myself running out of steam. I, yeah. I was constantly exhausted. Everything seemed to be so difficult. And yeah. despite the fact that my, as I said, my aim was to make things easier, actually mm-hmm. life and work in the PMO felt really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I was stressed a lot of the time, anxious, and deep down, actually not very happy. Yeah. And, and that's where I landed up until I had what's called a moment of truth. wow so so you had a moment of truth you had a opportunity you're like okay that's it I've just I've had enough I can't do this anymore talk to me about what happened yeah yeah well at the time I was living in the Middle East where it's obviously very hot and on that particular day it was pouring wet so it's one of these images in my head that's imprinted so it was actually pouring with rain I was on my way home heading up the front driveway and I ended up absolutely rooted to the spot and could not move mm-hmm. right wow and I suddenly heard this voice it still gives me goosebumps but I heard this voice and it actually just sort of it was like a, my inner voice was speaking to me I the best way I can describe it mm-hmm. and it just said stop Jilly just stop what you are doing right this life you're leading and the way that you're conducting yourself has to change yeah and you deserve to be happy and yeah. I was like what <laughs> <laughs> what happiness what, what, are, you what are you talking about, about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I hadn't connected that work you know you could be happy at work right indeed you could be happy in life I hadn't connected that that is even possible mm-hmm. so it was a very major moment for me Laura and from that moment which probably lasted just a matter of seconds Mm-hmm. I made a pact with myself that I was going to turn my life around and mm-hmm. I was going to find a way to make life easier and for me to actually be happy at what I was doing and the way that I was living my life. So that was my turning point. Wow. Yeah. And so then that sent you on this journey, this journey of exploration. And I want to hear a little bit about that. What did that look like for you? Well, it was taking 10 long years. Yeah. So this turning point actually happened in 2004. So it took me 10 years to figure out how to turn things around. Um, wow. And what I started off by doing was pulling levers and changing things. Yeah. Thinking that, oh, if I change my job, things will be better. Mm. If I move to a different location, things will be better. Mm-hmm. If I change my friendship groups, things will be better. Mm. But you know what? It wasn't better. Mm-hmm. And so after such a lot of trial and error, and then I did a lot of work on myself, I started studying with a lot of personal development teachers, 
Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the light switched on that you don't change anything in your external world without first looking within. Mm. And this yes. was my journey, Laura, was to actually get to know myself in a whole new way. Switch yeah. that light back on, which had been snuffed out over all the years. And then as soon as I did that, everything in my life got much easier. And yeah. I, I came up with a way to actually do that. You know, I'm a methodology queen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, before oh, course, we dive into that, I want to pause on this for a second because this is really big. And I see this happen with our coaching students sometimes, and sometimes even with the clients that we work with. They say, okay, if I change all these things externally around me, things will be better. If I can just change this, right? And what I see being very common amongst PMO leaders is just working so hard on changing everything around them that they keep falling into the same habits and stressful cycles in, because they haven't changed anything about their own behaviors, right? And so I really want to pause on that for a minute because that's such a key point here is that if you're miserable in the job that you're in, absolutely, it could be because you have no support system in the job and the work you're doing is difficult or miserable or just not work aligned with providing the kind of value you need to, to feel fulfilled. And that happened to me. That's why PMO strategies exists. I never planned on starting my own business. However, a combination of things happened for me and I had to start listening and paying attention to it. So for example, I was in a role that my last company that I worked in, I was an officer for the organization and I was building a business transformation function. At least that's how it was sold to me. But after being in this business transformation function for a while, the role changed to where really what we became were the people that were going around the organization and cutting jobs. The business transformation was how many jobs can we cut? It started as business transformation for the organization, leading it into its new chapter. And then it changed into, we're going to cut a lot of jobs. And I just didn't feel like I was doing my best work and that it was the kind of work I was cut out for to go around and be the hatchet woman in the organization. I just wasn't a task. And it made me, and I loved the people and the role and being in a leadership position, like in the executive layer in this organization. And I just, but I just didn't like the day-to-day job and it had me do a little bit of soul searching. Right. And at the same time, I was being asked to speak on stages about my experience as a PMO leader and kept finding the things I now knew were the things and the things I took for granted were the things that other people didn't know yet. And I kept saying, I wish I had me when I was you. And I wish I had me when I was you. And then those two things collided. And if I wasn't paying attention and didn't pause to reflect and say, wait a minute, maybe this is the time for me to be doing something different, right? If I wasn't paying attention to the inner voice, like you said, you had an inner voice that's like, stop, right? And in my case, it was stop. You have a bigger role to play in this world and a bigger way to serve than you're serving people. And it still comes with a lot of stress and all these other things. So I want to get into your system and your solution for fixing that. But you can, if you're not listening 
those opportunities can pass you by to, to create change. If you're right. looking for everything and externally around you to change, you may miss the internal voices that are telling you to do something different. Right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Absolutely. I think so many people do yourself. focus on the external side. Yeah. That's probably what yeah. we're taught as well, isn't it? And right. what we follow others who are doing it. Right. But there's the thing, like you're saying, you can change jobs, but if you don't change how you are behaving, responding, reacting, you're not going to, you're going to have the same problem everywhere you go, right? Yeah, your problems just fall around after exactly. you. Exactly. exactly. Yes, yes. So, so this was a pretty major turning point for me is to yeah. figure that out. It took me years, I have to be honest, yeah. to figure it out. Finally, the penny dropped, the light bulb went on, and I thought, yeah, I know right. what to do. Yeah, the result is this thing. I come up with this concept called joyful living. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Tell me about that. Yeah, I just love the concept of it, actually. So what it really is, in a nutshell, is to be happy and fulfilled and the person you want to be in all areas of your life. And that includes work. Mm -hmm. So to be happy, fulfilled and the person you want to be. You know, not the person you think you should be because yeah. somebody else has recommended what you think you should be doing. This is for you to show up as the way that you want to show up in the world and to make the contribution that really resonates with you. So yeah. this is the definition of joyful living. And you, the idea is to be able to achieve that in each part of your life, so in your relationships, in your well-being, in your living environment, of course, in your workplace. And mm -hmm. all areas of your life want to come together to create this, well, what I call joyful lifestyle. Mm, that sounds lovely wow. and luxurious. So let's talk more about that. <laughs> the question so, is, right. how do you how do you get it? Right. That's and that's thing, really for our PMO and project management listeners, they love a good how-to, a process, a method, an approach. Me too. I love it. I drink it all in. And I want to make it really real for our audience. So can we spend some time like really diving into how you actually do this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm a very practical person. Yeah. And like I said, the methodologies I live and breathe in, really, I like to have a good process to follow. Yeah. So I have come up with a, a, a methodology. I call okay. it my lifestyle pivoting methodology. So the idea is that if you follow the method, you will achieve joyful living, no matter mm. what your present circumstances. That's the pivot. Mm. So mm. it's a pivot in terms of how you live your life. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily a pivot to a new job. You can very happily do what I call a lifestyle pivot and create joyful living in the same job that you're in. This is what I did. Okay. Mm, okay. There's lots of things you can do to achieve this. So yeah, let's get practical. Let's get real. Um, so I got these five strategies that I thought I would share with you and your listeners with a few examples that we can just talk through as we go. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. So first up, we have to, the first strategy is to basically disconnect yourself from whatever might not be working okay so it's like cutting the link between you and your future and whatever hasn't worked well for you in the past or even the present okay, okay. so if something's not working well in your role as a pmo leader we're going to basically cut the cord with whatever that is that's not working and we're going to start to change that as we go forward. So the first step is really to cut that connection. 
So can you explain that? Like, how do you, what do you mean? Are you saying, so you're not saying quit the job if the job's the problem or if you feel like that. So how do you, what do you do exactly? Yeah. So I'm going to give you an example of one way you can cut this connection. Um, Okay. So one strategy for this one is to banish all criticism and judgment. Mm. Now, how many times have we heard ourselves say, oh, you know, this project leader or this business leader or even the CEO has done this or not done that and it's held everything up and it's causing us grief, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure that thought process goes on. It went on in my head. Um, And lots of us are actually maybe internalizing it, but we're nonetheless judge being judgmental and critical right. about others right. and also about ourselves mm-hmm. right we might say oh you know if only I had done this or that if I right. had communicated better if I had reminded so-and-so to do this or if I tweaked the process like that then things would be better right okay. so this strategy is pure and simple from this moment on and your listeners can do this from right now Right. Banish all criticism and judgment towards others and towards yourself. Okay. And instead, what you want to do is not focus on things that are going wrong. So rather reach understanding with whoever it is that might be causing you this angst. Let go of any hard feelings and then go out of your way to find creative solutions. Okay. Because when you're fixated on the, oh, if only somebody hadn't done this, you know, and start whinging about what they haven't done. Right. What that's doing is it's using up all your mental capacity, actually your energy as well, is going on to that. And what we want to do is switch your energy onto a creative solution, understand what's going on and come up with a creative solution to whatever the problem is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So instead of focusing on the problem, focus on the solution. And yes, but also very importantly, it's about this stopping being critical and judging people. Yeah. This is the crux of it, really. Because when you when you stop focusing on judging and criticizing, there is no problem, really. It's not a problem anymore. Mm. Yeah. It becomes an opportunity to find a way through it. I'm right and taking some notes. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Not a problem. And it's you know, if you stop criticizing yourself. Right. Right. So I wrote stop beating yourself up, banish yes. all the criticism and judgment. Don't focus on what's you know what's going wrong. Instead, focus on the creative solutions. Right. Exactly. Wonderful. Got so it. That's my all first right. strategy. Okay. That's number one. Okay. All right. Number two, second strategy. And mm-hmm. This one, I think, will resonate well with your audience. And it is this, to discover your why. And what I mean by this is your why. Mm-hmm. And so you have to ask yourself some probing questions here. You know, why are you a PMO leader? Yeah. What unique contribution is it that you can make? Mm. You know, what is your superpower? Right. Yeah, everybody's got a superpower. So what is yours in the context of this role that you're in? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you get 
really down to it and start uncover well what is my unique contribution that I am here to make what am I actually here for in this role what am, what am I doing this for why am I here why am I doing what I'm doing yeah and listen for the answers and when you get answers they will absolutely power you up they will give you rocket fuel mm-hmm. and passion and that is infectious mm. Now, I can give you an example. I, yeah. This organization I worked for is a construction company. Very up against it. These construction teams were completely maxed out. Building right. houses. It was just ridiculous time frames. They were all exhausted. Okay. And I had asked myself this question of why am I here to set up the PMO? What is it I can actually help them with? And one of my big superpowers is I'm really good at listening. A reframing and inspiring people mm-hmm. to do things differently. This is one of my superpowers, right? So using my superpower, I sit down with one of the construction directors and listen to everything he said. I thought, I'm just going to listen, let it all come out. Right. Right. And then a little bit of reframing and a lot of inspiring. Mm. And you know what? As a result of that, we spent an hour and a half having a chat he got on board and the result of all of that was he understood you know why the PMO was actually there mm-hmm. and that we are there to make a difference create more value and we got him one day a week back wow he was completely converted wow that's isn't that great. awesome yeah that's great so this is a really important one uh and applies not just to each of us as individuals but as you're thinking as a PMO leader why your PMO is there and using a lot of understanding that being clear on that, being able to articulate that and help create energy and passion, excitement, not just with yourself, but with your whole team, with your stakeholders, with your sponsor, because the why is not to create templates, tools, and process. Correct. That is not the why you're trying to achieve a better business outcome for the organization. You're there to help the organization deliver on its strategy with a higher return on investment as quickly as possible. The highest possible return on investment as quickly as possible. That's why you're there. And what business leader doesn't want that? It's when we lead with the what's that we end up losing people because they don't understand the why. Yeah, yeah. And and do you see what I mean though about the personal why? Yeah. I think what I discovered was when you get back to your own why, yeah. then you're much more able to actually articulate mm-hmm. and communicate best with people, you know, because you're being authentic, you're being passionate about what your superpower is and how you right. are contributing. Right. So yeah, it's quite sure. personal and it's yeah. good to ask these probing questions of yourself. For you know, sure. What yeah. is your superpower? Let's you know, ask that it. question. What is your superpower? What is your superpower? Um, with many for many of them it's like mine getting stuff done (laughs) right well you might be surprised like I'm good at getting stuff done but you know I'm also good at reframing and inspiring people that came up for me and you know this has been a really positive thing that came out of my exploration that's excellent okay discovering your why that's number two yeah right number three is a lock on to what good looks like Okay, so tell me more. Let me explain a little bit about this. So the idea here is to get crystal clear on what outcomes it is that you would like for your PMO. What does it actually look like? 
what yeah. does a fabulous day look like to you and how would you like the PMO to be operating what mm. outcomes would you like to be able to influence within the organization mm -hmm. getting really clear on what it is that you would like to be achieving right mm -hmm. and giving zero energy to what it is that you don't want to happen mm. right so now, really the focus on the future, focus on the outcomes as opposed focus to focus on the outcomes and the positive, yes. like you're saying, the opportunities versus the, you know, the way it might be today that you don't like. Yeah, so exactly. But the, yeah. the thing is to get really visual with it, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, not everybody is a visual thinker. I certainly am. But getting a clarity on exactly how you see the outcome being for the PMO. You know, what does that look like to you? How could you describe it? Like, how would you want to feel? How do you want others to feel when they interact with you? Right. How do you want them to respond when they receive an email from you? You know, get really clear on the outcomes you're looking for and start visualizing it. Like, all, play it in your mind over and over what it is you would actually like to achieve. Mm-hmm. This is number three, locking on to what that, what good looks like. Oh, what good looks like. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, if you can't see it, you can't do it. I love right? that. Very yes. simple. If yeah. you can't see it, you, you can't see it. How to spend time visualizing that future state and planning for the future. It's funny. I'm, uh, when we record this, um, it's the same day that I'm doing a workshop for my impact engine PMO con uh, coaching students. And it's all about working in versus working on the PMO. And part of what I'm taking them through is the uh, urgent versus important matrix oh, yes. and helping them think through, you know, you got the fires that you're fighting constantly, but then you've got the opportunities over in the, maybe not as urgent, but definitely important category. Right. And that's the visioning for the future, strategic planning, building the relationships, investing, right. That's all about making investments today for tomorrow's better world. Right. And that's a part of what I'm walking through today. So the timing of this is great. Um, cause you're giving me some things to be thinking about as I oh, talk. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's number three. Okay. What good looks like. Okay. So we come to number four, which is probably my, my favorite one of all of these, okay? And it is to learn how to manifest. Ooh. Yeah, so we're getting into bringing something called the law of attraction into the workplace. Uh, well, there's a thought. Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> all right, so the idea with manifesting is that through the power of thought alone, and using harnessing your personal energy, you can create whatever it is that you want in mm. your life or work. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to share a little story with you. I think we've got time for this. Mm -hmm. um, I have the very first thing I actually manifested using this technique was um, a promotion. Mm. So I had just started dabbling in this whole idea. And mm -hmm. let me just explain the context. So I was running a PMO within the IT department mm -hmm. and the CEO in his wisdom decided to move me into a strategy-based um, corporate PMO. So mm -hmm. shift me over so that it would then have a, a reach across the entire organization, mm -hmm. which sounds great, right? Right. Except that the person who was going to be my new boss, we did not get along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I really did not get along. I mean, I was 
violently opposed to the move because it was such a strong feeling oh, no. that it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I had no choice in the matter. CEO decreed it and I had to move. So I thought to myself, okay, if I could manifest myself a promotion and make this a wider role, mm-hmm. move up, create a head of department role for myself, have a bigger team, a bigger remit, then that would be cool. I'd like that. That would make me feel good, right? Right. So this is what I decided to manifest. I decided to manifest myself a promotion. Hmm. So here's what I did. And this might make me smile, but I basically created myself. I mocked up um, a business card with my new head of department title on it. Right. Wow. Uh I had the whole logo and everything on it. Mocked this business card up with exactly what I wanted, put it in my briefcase, and it was a large size. I made it an A4 size so that every time I opened my briefcase, I would see this. Wow. And the trick with manifesting is to believe you've already got it. Yeah. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and the other trick with manifesting is to, as you were mentioning before, Laura, is to spot opportunities to act. Right. right. Okay. And so what happened was I was constantly looking at this new business card. I started behaving as if I already got it. Mm -hmm. I already got the promotion. And lo and behold, an opportunity came up for me to meet the CEO. Mm. He just said, oh, how's it going, Jillian? I said, well, funny you should say that. Actually, there's a couple of things I'd love to talk to you about. He says, right, come into my office. And so I took the opportunity into his office. He said, right, you've got two minutes. All right, shit. <laughs> <Pardon my French. laughs> so fortunately, because I'd been living and breathing, I knew what I wanted to ask him. Yeah. So I just wheeled it off. I said, I'd like this, 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 and this. And of course, the last on the list was head of department. Mm-hmm. And he went, yes, 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 yes. Wow. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. And literally in a month, I had my promotion exactly what it said on the business card well and what's interesting is that i'm sure when you went in and had this conversation you were very clear on the benefit to the ceo right and to the organization you didn't say this is what i want me 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 you said this is how you can benefit from the thing that i've been thinking about for weeks or months or you know i've thought this through very thoroughly and here's the opportunity that we've been missing that i know how to solve Right. And I, I can guarantee that's how you did it, because that's how you get CEOs to say yes. yes yeah. Yes, yes. But the thing is, is, you know, you put it into his world, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's going to give you this and et cetera. It's not about me. It's about you, really. Right. Um, but the other thing is that I was able to be myself because I was being authentic. I was living and breathing as if I already had it. Right. And it just the energy just absolutely piled out there, blasted yeah. out there. And he couldn't say anything but yes. Right. And yes. It's manifesting. Right. Well, and it's not just the um, energy. It's also the confidence. Right. Like you exuded confidence because in your mind, you had helped yourself think that this is already something that's happening. Right. I'm already in the role. Um, yeah. There's something I teach our students um, that is don't fake it till you make it, but act as if. Right. Oh, it's more authentic like and genuine, right? Yes. Really act as if you already have it. Therefore, you're not stressing and worrying about getting it. You are focused on how would you show up in that role? 
Right. And so I think that's a really important part of this. Oh, that's so good. Okay, there's one more we need. One to do. more, last one, which okay. is all about shining your brightest light. So basically, you have to switch on your light. Mm. <laughs> now that may sound a little bit weird, or I don't know, a little bit out there, but that's just what we're talking about here. Is when you realize that you are absolutely an amazingly brilliant person underneath all the stuff that you're dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. Underneath all that, you have a very, very bright light. And what um, what we want to do is just switch that light back on so that you are delighted to be you, to show up and to shine this light and to contribute to the world in the way that you and only you can. And, you know, when you do that, what actually happens is that your whole demeanor is different. You're much lighter. Yeah. Right, yeah. you're actually exuding some kind of positive vibe to the world. You know, you're smiling a lot more. You're speaking in a kind of more upbeat kind of tone, mm-hmm. and everything just starts to flow better, yeah. right? And you know, people are attracted to this, Laura. They don't yeah. like the kind of doom and gloom, winders, and this heaviness that's around. Right. People right. are attracted to the light, and they are attracted to people who exude that. I believe. You know, it is an attractive quality. And what actually happens is when you switch on your light and you start showing up as your true self and contributing with your special gifts, everything does change. You know, you light up the room and people start responding differently to you. Mm -hmm. And not only that, new opportunities start coming your way. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Think about when you walk into a room and if there's somebody that's energetic, I mean, not obnoxious, I know, know, but energetic and happy and smiling. And then you see another person that's over another part of the room that's like cranky and has a difficult, you know, kind of angry look on your face of their faces. Who are you going to go over and talk to? If you need to choose one of them, which one are you going to go over and talk to? And so what we don't realize is when we exude the stress and the negative energy and the frustration Nobody wants to be around us. Therefore, we're not going to be able to do the things we need to do to bring people with us through the process in the organization. So it's super important that you have that positive energy and the light, like you talk about. I think that's wonderful. And I know some people might be thinking, you know, this is a little frou-frou for me, but the truth of the matter is I've, you know, experienced over the many decades doing this kind of work that it, everything you're saying is real and it's true. I mean, people might be saying, oh, come on, you can't manifest that promotion, but think about it this way. This makes it very practical for some people. What you think about tends to be what you're focused on and where your energy goes. So they, a lot of people will give the example of, Hey, when you buy a new car, all of a sudden, whatever kind of car you just bought, you're seeing them on the road constantly. Right. And it's because you're focused on it. So exactly. if you've got, if you bought a Lexus and then all of a sudden everyone around you is driving Lexuses and you don't even realize that everybody had them, but those cars were all on the road before, but it's not until you have that energy in front of you that you're focused on it. So the same thing here, if you want that role, create the opportunity for it by thinking about it. And, you know, not obsessing about it, but what would I, how would I act as if I already have that role and how would I turn on my light in order to create the opportunity for that role? Where is, you know, the opportunity for me and the value that I create in the organization and the impact that I want to make and what am I best at doing and how can I channel that positive energy and opportunity into the future you want to create? It all seems to 
flow very well together to use your word, getting into a state of flow. It's a beautiful thing when you're there. I love it. I've created entire programs in a state of flow that are just, that have served, you know, this audience and community for years. So I know exactly what it's like, but it's not there every day. So how can you, I heard that you've got this really cool app. I'd love to hear about how you use this app to help support people that are trying to apply this learning. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, I can. Yes. The Lifestyle Pivoting app is something I've developed this year. And my intention was to make this method that I've been referring to, this Lifestyle Pivoting method, where you can adopt joyful living to make it more accessible and affordable to people. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that you can learn my methodology and apply it in a practical sense um, in bite-sized chunks. So it's just a coaching program. And it's delivered in 30 bite-sized lessons. Mm -hmm. And it's all available on the in an app format. So you can access it on any device at any time. And it has you know, other kind of um, app features, like it has a community area where you can have a bit of a chat with myself and other people that are taking the program. Mm -hmm. It has a progress tracker, so you can keep a track of new practices and habits that you're putting into place. That's and great. also it has one-to-one -one support from me so that people get the very best out of the experience. So yeah, this is wow. my new um, venture for 2022. And it's in, well, it's, it's now actually past the pilot stage and being used by a number of uh, professionals who wanted to make a change in their life and adopt this concept of joyful living. Oh, that's wonderful. So how do people go about finding this app? I think the best thing to do, it's a paid app. And the best thing to do if somebody is interested in having a look at it would be to contact me and then I can talk to, to you and you know give people a bit of a demo of how it works. So this would be the best way, I think, to do it. So people Great. could just simply email me at jilly at lifestylepivoting.com. So that's G-I-L-L-Y at lifestylepivoting.com. Correct. Right? Okay, yeah, great. Exactly. And we'll also make sure your email address and your website are on the show notes for this episode so people can reach out to you directly. That's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here, for walking us through this journey, helping inspire our PMO leaders to think a little bit differently about their role, find their light and their source of opportunity and go make big things happen in a way that puts them in flow, gives them better energy, better happiness, satisfaction with the work they do. Um, I think this is all really meaningful and practical. And I can say myself, I've applied a lot of these techniques over the years and they really truly do make a difference. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up today? Yeah, I think it, the, the message from me really is that what we're looking for you to achieve is to shine as a PMO. And the only way you can do that is to shine as a human being, mm. right? So shine your light first. And then when you do that, you're going to be able to shine as a PMO. You know, and imagine what that's like. You walk right. down the corridor, you're feeling good about yourself. You're exuding this positive energy and people are looking forward to your visit, right? So people say, right. yay, the PMO is coming. Right. Well, and, oh, the PMO is coming. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to be in the other direction. Yeah. You want, you want to be their superhero, which means you've got to yeah. find your superpower yourself. And I like to say to my students, and there's a, a whole story behind it, but for me personally, but 
I like to tell them, you know, when you get on an airplane and you're going through the process of getting ready to take off, they always tell you that you must put your oxygen mask on first before you can take care of anybody else around you. Because if you don't have enough air to function, you're not going to be able to support the people around you. And I think this is a really good reminder of that. You must put your oxygen mask on first. You must follow a process to get yourself into a really strong place or any attempts to build and deliver impact with your PMO are going to struggle because you're constantly, you know, pushing a boulder uphill instead of being at the top of the hill and bringing everyone with you. Yeah, lovely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Julie, for being here today and all of you impact drivers. I hope we have inspired you to put yourself first for a few minutes and go through this process and figure out how you might be able to pivot your lifestyle to get more joy, be in better flow and make that bigger impact you've been trying to make. So if you love what you're hearing in these episodes, make sure you hit subscribe and you download the podcast episodes so that they can be with you on your journey, no matter where that high impact journey takes you. Don't forget this episode is sponsored by the Impact Engine PMO program. This is an all-in-one step-by-step training and implementation program designed to help you build, up-level, or even rescue a PMO, no matter if this is your first time or your fifth time building a PMO. You will be amazed at the things you hadn't considered that are the shortcuts to high impact PMO success. So don't waste any more time trying to Google your way to a PMO. Join us in the Impact Engine PMO program today and just watch how your world changes almost overnight. And you don't need to take my word for it. You can hear success story after success story right on our Impact Engine PMO program page and hear how others that are just like you are getting such big results following our step-by-step program. I can't wait to see you there. Just go to iepmo.com and reach out if you've got any questions. I got you every step of the way. All right, bye-bye for now. 